Welcome back to the Meet Us in Paris podcast, the podcast about all things travel, be it destinations, food, having an amazing time, or what to pack for your next trip. With me today are my co-hosts, Emily and Lee. Hello. Howdy. You there, Lee? Only one cup of coffee, huh? (laughs) Only one. (laughs) We're limping along. So, as we record this, uh, we continue to Joe's for our next trips, not surprisingly. Um, it seems, unfortunately, COVID is getting worse, and um, there's more lockdowns than ever. But it looks like the end is in sight. Um, looks like there's a couple vaccines that are going to be released in the next couple of months. You know, yeah, is that what you girls yeah. are thinking? You know, it, once you get to... Once you get the, uh, if you get a COVID shot vaccine, how soon would you be willing to travel? Well, you have to, since the two main ones are, you need them at least three weeks apart or four weeks apart, depending on which one. I think it's, we're still going to wait a little bit, but I want to know about, oh, I'm sorry, I'm going to, I'm sciencing out right now. <laughs> There's a third one now that just got approved. Um, and so that one, I'm wondering if it's going to be a single dose or a double dose. Hmm. Is that is that the Pfizer one? Pfizer's two, and that's the one that needs deep cold. Um, Moderna's two. That one's 28 days apart. That one needs like sub 20, 20 degrees Celsius. The third one is the one that's coming out of Cambridge. Um, oh, oh, the AstraZeneca okay, yeah. one, and that one I'm not. That one, it, while the <laughs> other two are mRNA, this one is a different one. Um, and I think that might be single dose. So I don't know. I just heard about it on the BBC this morning. Interesting. So the, so the question is, would you want to get, they're like 95% effective. It's like, you know, never have I heard of like something that has multiple, one disease with multiple solutions. I mean, it's like, maybe we should get all three vaccines or, you know, <laughs> increase your chances or, I don't know. Um, but, Needless to say, we're joking for our next trip. Um, but uh, in the it looks like uh, in the meantime, we're going to help you with your daily recommended allowance of travel karma. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so today we're going to talk about some of the most extraordinary experiences that we've had and tide you over until we all can travel again happily and 2020 is long in the past. So uh, before that, we're going to take a quick sponsor break. The events of this year have shaken the world and impacted our lives. At UC Irvine Division of Continuing Education, our mission of empowering lives through education has never been more important than now. Change your career, prepare for a promotion, start a business with our fully online certificate programs. Ready to start? You can find us at ce.uci.edu. Once again, ce.uci.edu. With adversity comes great strength. Find yours with us. All righty. So we are talking about our most extraordinary experiences. And when I thought of this as a topic, for some reason, I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing. I thought I had done more things, more extraordinary things, but maybe I have done them and I don't find them extraordinary. So I've done a mix of just, I don't know, more average and more exciting. 
what you think is extraordinary yes. or something special. I mean, it doesn't have to be like jumping off of a plane. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. So I'll go with my first one. Um, the one that was like at the top of my head when I thought of this is snuba diving. Mm. So, snuba diving, if you are not familiar, is the in-between of snorkeling and scuba, hence snuba. Um, Very straightforward. (laughs) But (laughs) this was, I think we were in, I was on a family vacation. We were taking a Caribbean cruise. And I think this was like uh, one of the ports that we stopped at. I forget which one it was, but we had like a day. Um, a stop, a full day stop somewhere, and my family decided to go on a snuba adventure. Um, I don't really know. I was young, so I, I kind of just went along for the ride. I don't know how they booked it or if it was like through the cruise or they just found it on the side on the island or something like that. But, anyways, they outfitted us with obviously, we were in our swimsuits, they gave us um, life jackets, and then I was small, so they gave me ankle weights. Oh! And I didn't understand. <laughs> like, no one had explained to me why I was wearing ankle weights. And so, um, yeah, because I was the only one. I was like the smallest one, uh, the the oldest of the small children that were allowed now, to go. By the way. So I was like me and all my aunts and uncles. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, like, like you're a huge now. person. Yeah. Um, but anyways, so we went and. Exactly. <laughs> so how Snuba works is you there's um, you go out on a, like a raft and then all the tanks, um, oxygen tanks are on the raft itself. And they're all uh, hooked up to this long tube where so everyone gets their own breathing mask. I don't know the terminology, but um, you get your own mouth breathing thing that's connected to the tube that's then connected to the tank on the raft or the boat um, and then you just uh, jump into the water so instead of carrying the tank on your back now you're just breathing through this super long tube uh, which sound it's it was cool until um, you you get like kinks in your <gasps> tubing that's scary oh. Yeah, so it happened to my uncle, um, and it was pretty because we were pretty far down. Because um, we went far as far down as like seeing some sh- not full on shipwrecks, but you know, like just kind of wreckage um, and, and fish and everything. It was really beautiful until uh, we saw a lot of bubbles happening like on the side, and it was because my uncle was trying so hard to kick to the surface. Um, he he's totally fine. It was totally fine, um, but that was like a huge scare. But the actual experience of snuba diving is very cool. Um, ankle weights. I wish I understood them more because my other uncle was trying to, he grabbed my hand. He was trying to pull me lower and lower, but I could not understand why I was like, I'm fine. I know how to swim. <laughs> like oh. stop pulling me. Uh, but it was just cause like, you know, I was light. And so it was hard for me to like go deeper. Um, but I mean, snorkeling, scuba diving, snuba diving, whatever in the Caribbean where it's, blue waters and and you can see some wreckage it was so cool like that was very very cool so when you were you said a snuba diving yes um so how long did you do it i mean is it like a half hour experience or did you spend how long i mean how long do you get to stay down i think it was about if it wasn't for my uncle's scare of like his tubing kinking, 
Um, I think we could have stayed down like maybe 10 or 15 minutes longer. So I think it was a total maybe 45 minutes, um, like kind of swimming around or, you know, I, I think it was 45, 30 to 45 minutes. Um, but it did take some time to obviously like get out into the ocean area. Um, I think we took like, I don't know how long it took. So my memory, I'm trying to think back and somehow and my memory stops at just where we stopped to actually get out of the boat. I don't remember actually going out into the water, but obviously you need to go like for far enough out they, so you can go kind of deep and you know are they helmets or are they more like what you see like snorkeling or scuba diving masks? snorkeling scuba diving so it's like the mask that you wear for either i guess it's those big masks that cover oh, your okay. nose too and then instead of like the tube that just stops like right above your head for snorkeling you get mm-hmm. the breathing mask more mouthpiece i guess that you would get for sn- scuba diving except it's connected to a, a long tube instead of like a short tank tube that attaches to your back Mm -hmm. yeah okay so so it's completely not um so you can't talk to anyone else. no no you cannot definitely all hand signals (laughs) oh that's cool yeah very good okay uh next up so i think once again it's about what you it's an experience that you find interesting not necessarily like once again bungee jumping so i think mine is comparative to yours okay so when i mean obviously when you go to another country a lot of us have insomnia or you just don't you're not in the right sleep patterns whatever Mm -hmm. and so um i like to get up at the crack of dawn especially you know with my wife and kid they actually can somehow sleep anywhere i mean they all of a sudden they just sleep all day night long whatever whatever (laughs) so i'll get up at something like sometimes like 5 30 to 6 o'clock in the morning and i like to take advantage of it Mm -hmm. and i will go for a walk um and cities when they're opening up have a very very distinct feel so i'm specifically talking about hong kong or uh taipei uh, like taiwan or something like that and i just love to walk so i'll spend like <clears throat> like 30 to 45 minutes just walking around the city at the crack of dawn um i love watching the shops open i you know i love to see you know i might get a cup of coffee and i watch the people go by um there's v- lots of times the traffic is fairly fairly light um and i just like to sit and kind of see the the city wake up and i know it sounds kind of i don't know it's just something special to me i just really enjoy it and then also gives you a sense of Later on in the day when it's all crowded and you can't see anything, it kind of gives you some ability to kind of navigate, too. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I Like yeah. you, I'm, I'm up early every morning, and and that's part of my routine. I mean, I try to get a good jog in or a wa- I walk when I'm traveling so I don't get as lost. And it is. It's absolutely amazing to see that dichotomy between early morning waking up and, and life coming to the city. One of my most interesting ones was being in Dublin um, in the, the heart of the crazy, like, Temple Bar District, which is usually off the hook, and it was actually Good Friday, and 
for those who don't know, at the you know, up until I think recently, and I, I think the law has finally changed, you can't serve any alcohol from Good Friday until you know from midnight on Holy, on Holy Thursday until Good Saturday, and so this normally crazy place is dead silent. And I was there at like like midnight, one o'clock in the morning, and it was it was surreal. It was almost like not quite apocalyptic, but but definitely a ghost town. And mm-hmm. you rarely ever get that experience. So it was kind of neat. Yeah, um, I got you know it's funny because I have some video and I actually have a few photographs, and I must have been sitting down in a cafe in downtown Taipei. Um, just having a cup of coffee or something eating across it. I don't actually know where I was, but I have the video and I have strong recollections of watching a small restaurant open up across the street. And it was just a lot of fun to be a little bit of a voyeur to watch their kind of daily ritual of opening up the store, of cleaning all their, you know, like, you know, the, I, they were like cleaning all their baskets and stuff like that. So it yeah. must have been for the produce, watching them fill up, you know. And it's funny because in Asia, like these small shops um, have no storefront. There's like no glass. So like the whole front of the store just opens up and it's al fresco. And watching them prepare for the day. And I have a lot of memories like that, you know, where, whether it be in Asia or it be in France or just to see um, what – regular people do in that city and that's one of the experience i like of seeing um just just seeing what it might be like to live somewhere like that so definitely wow so gosh i'm like i'm still trying to remember like snorkeling snuba diving and all that stuff i mean how do i compare i think um one of the things that came to mind with extraordinary experiences and Emily, I am totally with you. Like I, I, I think of myself as like, well, I haven't done much. And then I started brainstorming a list. Yeah. <laughs> uh, one is that I was in um, Eastern Russia and I took uh, this huge, this small tour, but in a huge like Hummer like vehicle all the way up a volcano. And we had like, and it's like, it's, it's still cold, even though it was in summer, but it was cold. And I was in a hot spring in a volcano. Oh, my that, God. Yeah, it was Wait, could, you, could, you re- could you repeat that again? <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, things that you rarely ever get to say in conversation. Um, I, I was in Russia and we and, and as a, a child who grew up in the tail end of the Cold War to be in Russia was kind of like a cool thing in and of itself. Um, but yeah, we got in. There was about a dozen of us. We got into these Hummers that were, you know, former military vehicles that are definitely not as comfortable as the ones you see in the U.S. Um, not a high end vehicle. Um, and then literally took these Hummers up the side of a former, you know, a, a less active volcano. I would almost say dormant volcano, probably. Um, well, yeah, it has to be dormant because that would just suck. I'd be boiled alive. So <laughs> <laughs> that's where I died. Um, so we take it up the volcano, and then they had they had built this like really rudimentary 
hot springs facility. And so, you know, you take your layers of clothes off and you jump into these these hot springs. And it's all walks of life. This is not a fancy like Burke Williams spa. Uh, so imagine everything in the U.S. that is high end, but in Russia was like, hey, you took a Hummer very rough to hot springs <laughs> very rough like hot, big water outside um but still a lovely experience because there were so many like russian families there like this is kind of like the you know a, a, a day out sort of thing and that was really neat and you know to see like, a different part of the culture uh outside of the city well not that nice. i was ever going to the city how far out like how long was the drive to get to the hot spring if you were going up into a volcano <laughs> it was it was more than an hour um, okay. i would probably say closer to like an hour and a half um and that was you know getting from where we were because we were kind of in a port sort of thing so getting out of, away from the port and then up um so it was a, it was a huge like the whole thing took more than you know half a day uh, okay. but it was totally worth it because when i think back i'm like oh my gosh i can't believe it, it it's almost kind of surreal i mean i'm sure like you felt when you were um snuba diving like this is yeah. kind of surreal yeah <laughs> sort of thing. totally oh man that's cool okay um kind of going along with cold uh <laughs> 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 was when i went to iceland um definitely want to go back like at least once maybe two more times in my life if I can uh, but the one time I went there was in December I feel like I've told this or mentioned this several times but it was the dead of winter it was like the winter solstice and we went there specifically my mom and I went there specifically to see the northern lights we scheduled um, a, a tour like the first night and then they're really nice about it and if because if they don't if like weather conditions aren't great that night then they'll reschedule for the following night and they'll keep rescheduling it um as long as you're in town i guess so that's basically what happened to us we were there four nights and it was rescheduled every single time and we did not get to see the northern lights so that was a bummer but um the experience in iceland itself was amazing so there's this really like if you go to iceland one of the most touristy things you can do is um, take a full day tour of what they call the golden circle, I believe. Um, and it's basically right. You drive out of Reykjavik um, and then it's, you make a circle around the country essentially. Um, and it stops by three places, three, what are they like natural things that you see in um, Iceland. And so it stops by Thing Valir National Forest, I think it's called. Um, and that was really cool. You get to see um, this huge water, not huge, like Niagara Falls. Well, maybe it was as big as Niagara Falls. We're really far away and the snow kind of distorts sizing. Mm. <laughs> but it was a pretty big waterfall that in that cold of a weather, you would expect water to be frozen over, you know. Um, but it was still running a very strong waterfall because uh, Iceland is basically it's frozen on top. But underneath, it's like lava um, or it's like really, really hot. So they call it the land of fire and ice because basically the under whatever's happening underneath the land, what you don't see is so hot that it keeps all the water running, even though you're freezing on top. So that was a really interesting sight to see just like 
a full-on waterfall just happening in the middle of winter. Mm. Um, And then another, so that's stop number one. Stop number two was, I don't remember, but it was, (laughs) I can't remember what the second and third stops were, but definitely one of them was seeing um, a geyser. So they call them geysers in (laughs) which was like really easy to remember (laughs) um and it was literally called like i think it literally the name is geyser so there was no fancy name like old faithful (laughs) (laughs) but that one like i think old faithful and yellowstone you have to wait pretty long between um it's what are you calling like they're active i guess but this one in uh, Iceland, it was like every 15 minutes or something. It was a pretty intense one. So that was really cool to see. Um, but yeah, Iceland in general, very cool. I feel like that whole trip was an extraordinary experience. Um, yeah. Oh, one other thing is uh, <laughs> because we didn't get to see the Northern Lights, we found this like museum y kind of place that basically was like a VR, it like offered you VR thing like you could put on goggles and you could like pretend you saw the north you were in the northern light area and you could <laughs> see the northern lights that was pretty cool and they had like this huge movie theater where you would just it was completely black except for the screen and the ceiling was like lit with the northern lights like mm-hmm. people's i don't know people's videos or time lapse and things like that so that was like our version of you know other people capturing the northern lights we didn't get to see it in the in your life. It was fine. <laughs> well, technically, you saw the Northern Lights in Iceland. Exactly. So, I mean, like, by the letter of the law, you were quite successful. There we go. Yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> Emily, that kind of reminds me, you know, you and I were having this discussion uh, about both of us have been to Mount Fuji, but we didn't see it. Yeah, <laughs> like we're on Mount Fuji. <laughs> so we, I don't know if you saw heard us talk about this, but both uh, Emily and I oh. took tours to from. I'm, did you? I'm assuming you went from Tokyo to Mount Fuji, I right? Guess so. Honestly, uh, I mean that's like the nearest city, right? Yeah, it <laughs> that is. Makes sense. Okay. So, like, I took a bus tour from downtown Tokyo, and it's like my wife and I and kid wanted to go see Mount Fuji because it's Mount Fuji, right? Mm-hmm. And as we're getting closer and closer and closer, we're looking at this cloud layer, and it is so low. As you know, the tour guide's kind of like pointing out the window. It's like, well, that's where Mount Fuji would be if you could see it. Oh. <laughs> and then we get closer, and then, of course, you know, part of the bus tour is to go to Mount Fuji, and we get to this one uh, half. It's probably about, I'm assuming, about halfway up, or you know, whatever the base station is. You know, mm-hmm. and we get there, and it's so it's it's not fog; it's actually clouds, and the whole little cute city down there, like at the base station or whatever, you can't even see the store across the street, much less. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Much much less about Fuji. So I've been on it, but I, I haven't seen it. What about you, Emily? Yes. I mean, same experience. I remember uh, we, were, we all took a bus tour and then everyone was like, let's take a picture. And then we're all like, then we also looked at each other we're like, wait, what are we taking a picture of? There's nothing. It's literally just you or us standing in the middle of fog. Like you don't even know where you are. <laughs> 
Oh, that is so, it's sad, but awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I have this one photo next to, they, apparently this little city in, uh, outside of, uh, about, at the base of Mount Fuji, it has a, a, a sign that they change the date in it every day so you could take a picture next to the sign. Oh. You know, and it's like it was kind of so fo- foggy, cloudy that we were having a hard time taking a pic- we taking a picture of the sign. <laughs> wow. You know, getting far back enough to take a picture of the person and the sign, which is only about eight feet wide or something like that. And so we would have to wait for some wind to come by to blow a little bit of the s- clouds out of the way. Take a picture. Take the picture. Take the picture. <laughs> <laughs> Oh boy. Um I guess I should talk about my oh, one of the things I did is uh beyond the Mount Fuji thing was um I've been on an iceberg. Ooh. Um, and so I've gone have either one of you gone to Alaska? Yeah, I have, but I didn't climb on an iceberg. Well, I didn't climb on or- an iceberg exactly. Okay. <laughs> So so we went into I forget I forget which city right off the top of my head either end or you know it's one of the ports of call in Alaska and they have all sorts of different things so you can do my sister actually went deep sea fishing in um, Alaska which was really cool but I was like I want to go um, they had helicopter flights to an iceberg and so we got on a helicopter. It's my only time and first and only time Ooh. to be on a helicopter. And it held maybe eight to 12 people. So it was a big guy. Mm-hmm. Um, also very interesting was before you got on a helicopter, they weighed everybody. Oh, those flights always make me nervous. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've had one of those. Yep. Well, you know, part of the reason that they weigh everyone is so they can distribute them throughout the cabin. So the helicopter is ah, mm-hmm. So, right. like, if you have someone who's a little bit light, you want to make sure someone on the opposite side is light so the thing mm-hmm. is balanced. And I was fortunate enough to be about the same weight as the pilot. Oh. And so I got to sit up front next to the pilot. Wow. And and um, the front of the helicopter was domed. So uh, when you look down at your feet, it was actually glass. So, so like it was like 180 degrees up and down and sideways um, of just watching these icebergs go by. Mm-hmm. Um, we land on the iceberg and they let us spend about half an hour, walked us around a little. I mean, it was an iceberg, unfortunately. <laughs> Um, it's not like, oh, this is Joe. This is our iceberg Joe. And, you know, they pointed us around. It's like showed us around and they let us just hang out and play on an iceberg for like half an hour. Um, there's show you the crevasses. Don't go too far out here. Um, you know, and uh, you could drink melting iceberg. Ooh, I mean, which, also known as water. You, yeah. Yes. <laughs> but it's special water. I, I couldn't resist. I couldn't resist. Tastes like water. Um, you know what? The reason why I mention it, I know it sounds funny, but it was the sweetest water I've ever tasted in my life. Wow! And they were saying that the water had the water in that particular or icebergs in general are about two thousand years old. It was frozen about two thousand years. Oh, 
gosh. So I, um, you know, I had heard about you could do that. So I actually, uh, I smuggled a cup with me. I actually brought my own cup with me. And I actually smuggled some of that. Oh, we should! I should have done this on the weird souvenir one. Oh, I took yeah. a cup, took all the water, took a bunch of this water, um, drank it, obviously. And then I took a couple bottles and I filled them up. And I still have them on my cupboards. I mean, I have them in my display case. And oh, the wow. water now has half evaporated. One actually oh. has fully evaporated. But I have this water in, a, in bottles from this iceberg. Oh, how cool. So, anywho. That's cool. Yeah, I actually had, it was a cork, so I actually had to seal the damn thing with um, wax. So, anyways, um, if you have a chance, go check out an iceberg. Oh, if, yeah. In, in uh, Alaska. Wow. Okay, well, since... It, okay, since we'll stick with the chili theme, um, this isn't so much the destination as it was the experience, but I have been inside a penguin exhibit. I won my way in um, answering trivia <laughs> and got to go into the penguin exhibit at, at SeaWorld. What? Yeah. What? <laughs> so this is a couple years ago, and they were, you know, of course, doing the, you know, show and tell about um sea otters oh no it was, no it was it was about penguins sorry it was about penguins the sea otter one i also did really well with that That's <laughs> um i but uh, they had asked a question about you know how many feathers and you know a certain square inch and i'm like this many and they're like great you win your way in and now thank goodness it was also july um so it's super super hot and you know sweating profusely and then got to go into the penguin exhibit and couldn't touch the penguins, um, but literally got to get up close and personal with one of the trainers, uh, got to meet the, you know, learn about their names. I still remember one of them as being Gus. um, And yeah, how some of the different things that they do to kind of keep them stimulated. It was the coolest, not not just temperature wise, but also just (laughs) like, I'm in the ex- in the exhibit now. I w- it was you know I wish that I had had somebody take a picture of me. Yeah, <laughs> that would have been like so fun. Um, but yeah, but yeah, chili experience. I I've I've been up close with penguins. That's cool. Did you feed them at all? They had just fed them. Um, but yeah, but it was really neat because I mean they they were little. I mean some of the penguins are really tall. I mean like three or four feet high um and some of them were a little bit smaller so one the one of the trainers had a small one and was kind of like pointing out different things and it was it was such a, a such an enriching experience because i mean it's one thing to see them you know through the plexiglass or, or something like right. that but to be in there like oh my gosh it's freaking cold in here and meanwhile it was you know like i said july and like super super hot i'm like well i'm glad these guys have you know the super ac they need <laughs> yes and wearing fur uh, and feathered down jackets. Yeah, really <laughs> dense with down jackets. <laughs> so yeah, so that was my up close, up close and personal. Love it. Okay. Ooh, I'm next. Hmm. Okay, I'll take us out of the cold and into the warm. Obviously, that's the opposite of cold. <laughs> And into Vietnam. So I haven't been to Viet- back to Vietnam in 10 years or so. 
Um, but when I was couple times when I'm there well actually most of the time when I'm there I'm there to visit family um and then some of the times um like my parents extended 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 family people I you know the people you meet like once in your life and then you forget who they are oh yeah uh, yeah so they live out in the country and so I remember there was this one time um when we had to go from the city out into the country don't remember what the town's name was or anything like that but um the transportation process man i there were so many modes of transportation to get there uh, but i remember specifically once we were kind of like in the outskirts of the town we had to take um you know those vietnamese moped like the mini motorcycle things mm-hmm. what are they called just like hondas that's what we call them in vietnam <laughs> okay so they had um i don't know if we knew these people or if they were kind of just like taxi drivers but instead of a taxi it was the their trans mode of transportation was the honda um but it was one person per driver so i was like on this honda with the random man and because it had to be as little people as possible because the road was so narrow um and it was so muddy that it was basically, if you can imagine, trying to explain it as what my memory has, mm-hmm. but it's, you're going into, it looks like you're going into the jungle and they cleared a pathway just enough that you could like fit the, like a Honda, like the little moped through, but it's so muddy that there's only right in the middle, there's this little strip of land that's just high enough and slightly dry enough that you can ride on. But right. if, yeah. And if you just, if the guy just like missed a turn or something like that, you could just slip and fall over into the mud and into the jungle oh. and you would die. <laughs> but that was so crazy because they would, go, you go so fast down this little tiny strip of mud um, through the jungle. Mm-hmm. And then, you arrive wherever you need to go but that was maybe like a five or ten minute ride but it was like the longest five or ten minutes of my (laughs) life Uh, I remember that Um, and then just being in the countryside is just a whole other experience Um, I remember my mom was telling me how like when you're out in the country there's no lights or like city lights that kind of tell you when it's starting to get darker you know like when it starts to get darker people will turn more lights on so you can kind of gauge when you need to get back inside or something like that Um, but she was telling me she was out in the field like talking to some family member um and my brother and i were playing around in the tall grass and she was having a conversation one minute the next minute it was pitch black like the sunset so fast that she turned around and she was like, Oh my God, where are my children? (laughs) 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 Yeah. So that was, um, that's being in the country is such a different experience. Uh, But lots of bugs, which is why I'm not a huge fan, but the experience is cool. Cool. Okay. I am going to suggest um, something that lots of people have seen in a different manner than I have. Have you guys, have you both, either one of you been to Niagara Falls? Yes. No. It's one of those things that was so so close that I never went. (laughs) You're kidding me. Well, that's like, you know, living in Southern California and not going to Disneyland. 
I lived yeah. here for like five years before I ever went because it's it's like oh I can go anytime. You know what? That's awful. I have a cousin who lived who lives in Rome, and I went to visit her, and so like I wanted to go see the Vatican, and at that time she was like thirty. I was a little bit younger. I think I was in my early, like 24-ish, something like that. And I was like, can you take me to the Vatican? She goes, sure. It's like, oh, I'd love to go see what's, so what's there that I should go see? And she goes, I don't know. And I'm like, <laughs> what do you mean you don't know? It's like, I've never been to the Vatican. <laughs> and she lived there for 30 years and she knew the city intimately. I mean, wow. Here's a woman, like, at night, we would barrel through. The, she had this little, little tiny car. I forget. It must have been a Fiat now that I come to think of it. And it'd be, like, 1 a.m., and she, we'd be barreling down, up and down streets. It's, like, also, it's, like, oh, that, that, you can see that way is kind of blocked. We're going to turn here down this alley. It's, like, what alley? And then all of a sudden, you make a right, you know? And then it's, like, she knew every little alley in Every little road, every little alley, every restaurant, every everything, but she had never been to the Vatican. Um, That's funny. <laughs> anyways, uh, I digress. The um, Niagara Falls is somewhere that something that everyone goes to see during the spring, you know, f- summer and fall. Um, I do suggest you see it. It is a natural wonder. It's really cool. But what lots of people don't go to see, when they don't go to see it is in winter because it's freezing. Mm-hmm. It's freezing out there. Um, but I suggest you go see it because it is freezing and Niagara Falls freezes. Mm-hmm. And when it freezes, so you have these, it essentially looks like icicles slash in the shape of water Mm -hmm. going over the falls but at night they light them up oh so they turn it into a light show and they usually have something i think it's like the festival of lights and so they'll light it up and it is the coolest thing you have ever seen now i suggest you do it on the way to going to toronto or going somewhere else um, I don't suggest you necessarily have to stay there, but it is a sight to see um, all these, just all these beautiful, you know, icicles being lit up and, you know, the rainbow of colors. So, very wow. cool. Technicolor. So, so I mean, Google it. It's it's really cool to see those types of pictures or or videos and you know that they sh- they have. So. All right. All right. Okay. Let's see. My last one is more an ordinary thing that really impacted me extraordinarily. And it was in Asia. It was touring an orphanage. um, And it was uh, part of a service trip. I brought some, some college students to do it. And we had gathered supplies to help them. And in my mind... Um, I'm so glad I was wrong because I imagined, you know, the orphanage kind of environment from like, I don't know, the musical Annie. Um, (laughs) And I was so wrong. Um, One of the early things that we we heard early on was that this orphanage actually did no adoptions um, that it resembled more of a college campus than an orphanage per se. 
And so it had schools, it had its own mentor program, where even not just the older students worked with the younger students, but actually former student, former youth who lived there, who went out and got jobs, came back um, and worked with the children. And it was just this really, really happy place. Uh, the kids sang songs. Uh, it, it was it was one of those things that was really impactful in the sense that, I mean, just the sense of community uh, and that, and not just community, but family and, and co- contributing to each other. And so I was, once again, I mean, I love it when travel proves me wrong. And that was something that, that still kind of echoes in my mind. That's really cool. Do you, I don't know if you mentioned it. What country was that? That was in Korea. Ooh, okay. And so, so, and it was mostly, and it, it was uh, all girls. Oh. Huh. So it was an all-girl orphanage. Um, it, it had hundreds of kids. I want to say like maybe 300 children in all um, divided up in buildings, you know, of course, with, you know, newborns and under one and then build, you know, a building and small buildings. We're not talking, you know, multi-story, but, you know, uh, or too, too tall, too, too tall, all the way, you know, to like teenagers and things like that. And then as the, you know, the girls got a little bit older, what they would do is, you know, some of them would get part-time jobs, but, you know, the commitment to schooling and things like that, it was just... And, and, and of course, it was you know, it was run by nuns in full habits. So, I mean, it just had this, it dispelled so many myths that I had told myself about, you know, what an orphanage would feel like. Huh. That's really interesting. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I want to learn more. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm going to yeah. have to look this up. <laughs> So it was just, in, it was, um, it was in the, the Busan area. Um, it's just a super, super kind of a different type of experience. So then, like you said, most people going to, you know, Niagara Falls in the summer and the spring, but seeing it in winter is a totally different experience, you know, going to a city like that and then seeing something like an orphanage, um, just kind of opened my eyes. Go to Italy in August. That's another weird one. Really? Why? Um, because all of Europe in general takes vacation on August. Oh, yeah. Because uh-huh. it's so hot. So, so to, you know, it's kind of like, I mean, of course, it's hot as heck. But um, the the going into a city where, you know, like in the United States, does anything ever close down? Mm-hmm. No. But to go <laughs> to, like, you know, it's kind of like interesting to go to um another country where the culture is very different mm-hmm. and and to see a city shut down the stores a lot of the stores are it's like many 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 stores are closed and many restaurants are closed and and it's just like where and then also not a lot you know people go out to the countryside they go visit fan, friends and family and also so like in the middle of the summer you know like you go to florence and and it's um dead as heaven on a Saturday night, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's really interesting to, to see, you know, culturally how different it is and to see a, um, uh, a city during relatively pleasant temperature, uh, weather be kind of empty, you know? Yes. So anyways, all right. <laughs> Covered a lot. All over the place. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Any, I guess we kind of did honorable mentions, but any last notes or mentions? I feel like we did a lot. Well, 
I know nope. I have a couple more. As we've oh. been talking, I feel like I've had, I can think of a couple more interesting experiences. Maybe we'll do another episode. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you so much for tuning in to our Extraordinary Experiences podcast. What did you guys think? Let us know on our social media channels where you can find photos of our adventures from around the world, interesting articles, and more. Mias in Paris is a University of California, Irvine, Division of Continuing Education production. If you ha- need a career boost or looking to increase your workplace experience, knowledge, and seeking a new profession, check them out at ce.uci.edu. Once again, ce.uci.edu. And thanks for listening in. We look forward to seeing you the next time. We're hearing you next time. Or are you listening to us next time? <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye.